This is the Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman. Brought to you by Decisions in Dentistry and the Academy of Dental CPAs. Whether it's taxes, investing, or planning wisely, Art is your guide to make your dental practice as profitable as possible. Here's your host, Dental CPA, Art Wiederman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman, yours truly, CPA. Welcome to the podcast, and uh, it's summertime. It's beautiful out here in Southern California, and we're recording this show on Sunday, July 12th, so we're about halfway through the year, about four months into the COVID-19 pandemic, and uh, as it has been every single week for the past 12 weeks or so, we've got new stuff coming down the pike, and um, we're date stamping all of these podcasts as we um, have been doing since the middle of March. And today we've got a, a, a new thing that came up. Uh, it's kind of an old new thing. And it is the new, uh, you know, we were dealing with SBA, this uh, Small Business Administration. Well, now we're dealing with um, the HHS, the Department of Health and Human Services. And as part of the CARES Act, the Department of Health and Human Services came out with the Provider Relief Fund. And we're going to talk about that today. And we're going to talk about tax planning, everybody's favorite, favorite subject. So this podcast will go up on the Internet on Wednesday, July 15th, which is the new April 15th. And that's the day that you have to file your individual income tax returns or file an extension. Um, so we're going to get into all that. We're going to get into some of the things that the CARES Act did. We're going to get into some strategies because, folks, before you know it, before you turn around, you're going to be towards the year end. And this is a tax planning year like no other that I have ever seen. I have been preparing tax returns since 1976, I think it is. 1976, I was... 17 years old, I was working in Larry Shipley's accounting office in San Pedro, California, and um, <laughs> I got the job. I was I was 16, actually, and I got the job uh, because he asked me this question. He handed me a book, and he asked me to go research depreciation. This is before everything was on the internet. This is before there was an internet. So you're talking, you know, 44 years ago. And then he asked me a question and said, uh, Arthur, are you bright? And I guess when you're giving an interview um, and you ask somebody, are they bright? If they have to think about the answer, then they may have just given you the answer. Uh, I remember that like it was yesterday. And I did tell Mr. Shipley, um, Yes, I am bright, and he hired me, and he taught me two things as a CPA. Number one, he taught me write it down, and that's probably not a bad uh, mantra for a dentist. Write everything down on your charts, you know, document, document, document. And the other thing he taught me, which may be the best thing he ever taught me, which is he says, Arthur, you don't know what you don't know. And he was kind of my mentor in the accounting profession. And um, so he taught me a lot of stuff. And uh, I went through my dental career and um, started at Deloitte, Haskins and Sells, then ran my own firm for 33 years and then merged with HMWC. And now we're coming full circle. And on July 20th, which will be the next time after this that we uh, chat, 
Um, I will be part of a fantastic CPA firm called Eid Bailey. That's spelled E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y. And they are a regional CPA firm located in the Western and United States and the mountain regions. Their home office is in Fargo, North Dakota. And I have met with many of their people. And it's, uh, you, you know, it's like, you know, you, you walk into a, you, you walk into a business, you start doing business with somebody and, you know, you just start talking to the people and you, you, you realize this is good. These people are good. They're organized. They're friendly. They're nice. They're respectful. Um, they want to make good things happen for their employees and their clients. And that's what Eid Bailey is. So we're very excited about our merger with them. It's going to give me resources like I couldn't dream of having, which um, we'll talk about down the road. But before I get into our topic today, I want to give you some information. So if you want to get a hold of me, uh, you have any questions about anything, uh, taxes, metrics, PPP, and yes, I had to mention PPP. I'm very sorry, but I did. Uh, anything. Uh, it's artwiederman at gmail.com. Uh, the phone number is 714-505-9000. And I don't think that's going to change. Uh, I will know sooner rather than later and I will report back to you. I don't think we're going to change our phone number, but I'm not in charge of phone numbers uh, at our building in Tustin. Um, if you are not subscribing to or looking at the website for Decisions in Dentistry magazine, you really need to be do- doing that. They are our partner. Um, they help us market this podcast, and they are wonderful, wonderful. Lorraine Kent and her team do such a magnificent job in providing clinical content and uh, uh, just continuing education that is off the charts, and, and they're just wonderful. And if you are looking for a dental-specific CPA anywhere in the United States and you're not working with one right now, you should be. Uh, that's our Academy of Dental CPAs, which is www.adcpa.org. So uh, that's my that's my news, and I'm sticking to it. So let's get started. I want to start by talking about uh, kind of where I think we're going with taxes and tax planning. And this year is really strange, but there could be some really, really cool opportunities. So let's think about what happened in 2020. Started off that everybody was doing great. It was going to be the best year ever. And we all know what happened. And what happened is, is you have a business, uh, if you are a dentist, uh, that had virtually no revenues for approximately 8 to 12 weeks. And then you have a business that has revenues, but it's maybe 50 to 80% of what they were. I hope it's higher. If it is, um, that would be wonderful. But for most of my folks, it's probably, you know, 50 to 80% of what it was for the rest of the year. Once you opened, maybe around the first of June, which is when many of my folks opened. Some opened sooner, some opened later, but that's about when everybody opened. So what do we have this year? We have that. We have the fact that revenues are going to be down. Um, I projected I have a, a client that does about $4 million in revenues in a non-COVID year, and we projected that total they're going to be down about 30% for this year. And I have my six-month PPP planning spreadsheet where you plan out what your revenues are. That might be a good thing for you to do. So I think the first thing you need to do is to plan out what do you think your revenues are going to be. 
your expenses are going to depend on whether you hired your employees back or not. If you hired everybody back and used your PPP money, that's great. So here's how that works. When you look at your QuickBooks or you look at the accountant prepared profit and loss statement that you get monthly or quarterly, it's going to include the payroll costs that you used PPP money to, pl- to pay. It's going to include your rent and your utilities and your interest. Well, at the moment, that's July 12th, 2020, at the moment, those PPP expenses are not tax deductible because of uh, Secretary Treasure of the Treasury Mnuchin and his friends at the IRS came out with um, notice uh, 2020-32, which says, hey, if you get this money and it's tax-free when you get it forgiven – You can't deduct the expenses. Now, that's only for the money that is forgiven. If you end up having to pay a loan back, those expenses would be deductible. Another accountant's nightmare that I'm not looking forward to for next filing season. So if you get, you know, you got $100,000 in a PPP loan, but for whatever reason, you only got $80,000 of forgiveness, 20,000 of those expenses, assuming they were uh, deductible, allowable business expenses, um, are going to be deductible and 80,000, which would be forgiven, uh, would not be deductible. We are hoping in the uh, next go round of funds, which I'm going to talk about in a second, we're hoping that uh, they change their mind on that. But for now, they're not doing that. So you have your revenues, they're down 30%. But, you know, maybe you got a hundred thousand, a hundred fifty thousand dollars in a PPP loan. Um, when you do your projecting, you need to plan that those expenses are not going to be tax deductible. So you have to add them back to your income. So my guess would be that most of my clients are going to have significantly lower incomes for 2020 than they did for 2019 and hopefully significantly lower incomes for 2020 than they will have in 2021 when we are all hopeful that there is going to be a vaccine and treatments that will allow us all to return to life as we knew it before the 15th of March. And we're all hoping for that. And we all know that we're hoping for that. So basically what this year gives you an opportunity to do is to do some planning. So for example, if you are thinking about expanding, remember folks, you have to plan your business for the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. I mean, you know, if, if we don't find a solution for this virus and it goes on for years and years and years, I, I don't want to have that conversation. It's not going to be pretty, but what I suspect is going to happen is that we are going to get back, hopefully, to a a real normal by early, maybe first quarter of 2021. Because th- remember that that 65 to 85 percent of your patients are coming into your dental office, and you know they may have a little trepidation, but most of them, you know, they're happy, they're great to see you, and they trust you. That's the thing you've built the trust, so they come into their into your office. And they know they're going to be as safe as they can be. I mean, they're much safer walking into a dental office than maybe walking into a dry cleaner or a deli. Who knows? Right? Uh, because you've made it that way. So, uh, you know, next year, hopefully you're going to be back at or near where your revenues were for 2019. So, for example, um, you know, maybe you have some money set aside for pension for 2020. 
you may or may not want to make that contribution because you get a higher tax deduction in 2021 when your income is higher. The other thing is if you're going to be looking at purchasing significant amounts of equipment, say you're looking at, you know, you, you, you might be one of these dentists that says art. What pandemic? I, I, I had an eight week vacation and this place is, is humming and we're booked until September and, and, and life is good. And, and I, I don't think that's going to be the norm, but I have heard people tell me that. And if you are going to be, you know, looking at next year is going to be looking real good. What you might consider is, you know, putting off placing in service equipment until 2021. Uh, because you'll get theoretically have a higher income and maybe be in a higher tax bracket. Here's another thing to consider, folks. And, and but before I go to the other thing to consider, I do want to say that we at HMWC and you know, again, soon to be I'd Bailey, uh, our, by the way, our practice for our clients, I know we have many of our clients and thank you so much for that, who listen to this podcast faithfully every single week. Um, the only thing, folks, that's going to change for you is uh, the name on the tax return, and that won't be till next year, and the name on your billing and the name of the company you write your check to or charge your credit card to. Um same people, same uh, systems, different billing system, uh, a little bit of a different tracking system, pretty much the same tax software and the same storage. So, so everything is going to be pretty much the same for all of you, just to let you know that. And, um, you know, everybody's everybody's here. Everybody's working. Um, we may not be back in our offices till uh, who knows when, but uh, we're all working remotely. I've... Uh, uh, I have become a master in Zoom. Um, I've wanted to do this for years and this pandemic forced me into it. And now I'm real excited that I'm able to, to, to do that. And by the way, if there's any specialists, um, you know, we're in Southern California who are, uh, looking to do any kind of webinars for their, um, uh, for their general dentist, uh, referral sources. I've done, gosh, at least 10. Uh, it's been on the PPP loan program. Uh, I can do them on tax planning and transitions and metrics, anything you want. If you want, give me a, send me an email at artweederman at gmail.com. So let's get back to the topic here is, okay, so what's going to happen on November 3rd? Now, all of you know, this is number podcast number 82 or 83. I never remember which number it is. I mean, we're, we're down the road here. Um, and, um, you know, I don't talk politics. I don't talk Republican. I don't talk Democrat. Uh, I, I don't. And because only bad things can happen to me if I do. But let's talk about the reality of what we've got going on here. So right now we have a Republican president. We have a Democratic House of Representatives that has, I think, a majority of, I want to say, 40 more Democrats than Republicans. Uh, it's something like 230 to 190, I believe it is. It's 30 to 40. So the likelihood that the House of Representatives is going to become a majority of Republicans is, again, everything I've read, unlikely. Uh, it's the Senate that's up for grabs because I believe it is something like 51, 48, 1. So you have 51 Republicans, I believe 48 Democrats and one independent. And, um, you know, if the, if the Senate goes Democratic, 
and Joe Biden beats Donald Trump in the November 3rd election, you're going to have a democratically controlled government. Now, again, not talking politics, not talking Democrat is better than Republican, Republican is better than Democrat. I'm not going there. What I will tell you is that based on what uh, just just you know, 45 years of history that I have experienced in tax legislation. It is historically the party of the Republicans that reduces tax rates and the Democratic Party historically raises them on higher income people and keeps them about the same for lower and middle class people. And again, that is probably where this is going, because think about it, folks. We have a situation that the government has gone $2.2 trillion into debt with the CARES Act. There is going to be another stimulus bill. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, we're going to go $3 trillion into debt. But, folks, we're going to go more into debt. Because think about it. This is a business just like any other business. It's the U.S. government. It's the only business out there that's allowed to print money. And they do a lot of it. And think about the fact that the tax revenues of this country are going to be down so significantly, so significantly, if they allow the deductibility of PPP expenses, you know, that's $510 billion times, let's just say, an average of 25% tax rate. That's $125 billion that the government will lose out on because they're going to let people deduct these expenses. Um, there's a tax credit out there for $25,000 for PPE that has been proposed. Um, there are other, the, the retention tax credit, we'll talk about that. That has been proposed to be increased significantly. So the government is basically throwing the kitchen sink at this economic result of our pandemic because they have to. And, um, you know, th that's what they have to do. They don't have a choice. Uh, not because they want to get reelected, but yes, they do want to get reelected. Um, but they have to, or, or we're going to, we're going to sink into 1929 all over again. So they're going to do whatever they have to do. Um, so the point of this whole thing is, is that next year, number one, your income, hopefully is going to be higher than it was this year. I think, uh, again, if, if everything happens the way the, you know, medical profession is saying is that we will have a treatment, a vaccine for this horrible virus that is uh, ready to go first quarter, second quarter of 2021, hopefully sooner. Um, you know, you get the people that are saying all over the board, but that's pretty much what the medical community is saying. And then everybody mentally gets back to, oh, well, you know what? Guess what? I don't need to wear a mask anymore. And there's, you know, 250 million doses of this and it works and we're good and we'll see what happens. So number one, your income is going to be higher. And number two, if we have a Democratic Congress and uh, Joe Biden in the White House, you're going to see a tax increase. Number one, just because that's what the Democrats are going to do. They're going to increase the maximum tax rate. And number two, they're going, uh, you know, they, they, they might 
increase the capital gains rate. And that's another thing to think about. So they're going to increase the tax rate. Um, they're going to, they might cut back section 199A. Who knows what they're going to do? They're going to do anything that is going to have people that make more than two, three, four hundred thousand dollars a year pay more taxes. That's what they're going to do, folks. And, 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 and I, I can't guarantee anything, but that I'm pretty certain about. So, The name of the game is if you have things that are going to be deductible that you can put off to 2021 because of what I'm talking about, that may be what you might consider doing. That would be a, a, a good tax planning move for you. So, um, where are we going with a a stimulus bill? Well, I again have been very fortunate to be able to work with Megan Mortimer from the American Dental Association. She is a, an incredibly wonderful young lady who is a, the congressional lobbyist, one of four that the ADA has. And she has a direct pipeline to Congress and their aides and all the people at, uh, at Treasury. Uh, she tells me that um, the deductibility of PPP expenses, as well as this tax credit, she says it's 50-50 because you've got Republicans who don't want to, you know, they want to wait and see what's going on. They're not sure about stuff and the Democrats are not sure about stuff. And there's a lot of horse trading. This next stimulus is going to cover two things. Number one is going to cover unemployment compensation. And everything that I'm reading says that right now the $600 weekly payday for unemployment which is um, by the CARES statute slated to end uh, at the end of this month, July 31st. Um, they are going to extend unemployment. I cannot see any scenario where they don't. What I think is going to happen is they're going to cut this amount. Uh, you'll still get whatever your state is going to pay you, and the states are going to have to extend their unemployment benefits. And in order to do that, the federal government's going to have to give them some money because the states are hurting. But I think what you're going to see is a anywhere from a two hundred and fifty to five hundred dollar monthly uh, weekly stipend uh, that's going to run through the end of the year. Um, both President Trump and Senator McConnell and uh, Senator Schumer, who are the leaders of the Senate, uh, have said that nobody wants to go over one trillion dollars. These are mind-boggling numbers, folks. Uh, in additional stimulus, um, there's not you know they're talking about a second PPP loan, which is primarily for the restaurant industry. Probably won't be for the dental profession. For, for businesses that has, have had a, a, a reduction of more than 50% in revenues. They're talking about that. So, uh, this is going to have to happen in the next one to two weeks. Here's why. The month of August is a recess month for Congress. There is no activity in Congress or on Zoom or on Microsoft Teams or however they communicate. Uh, August is a recess month. Then you get to September. You have September, you have October, and the election is November 3rd. So there's not a whole heck of a lot that's going to get done between now and the election that has anything of meaning to it unless it has to get done. And so that means in the next two or three weeks, they are working on and they're going to pass some sort of a stimulus program. So that's where we're at. That's my thinking about tax planning. So, um, you know, y- you want to you know, let let us CPAs get past 
Wednesday, which is the 15th of July, and um, probably see what's going to happen with this CARES Act uh, 2.0. And uh, I've been talking to my wonderful partners at HMWC, Don Watson, Pam Chamberlain, and our tax manager, Sam William. And uh, we, we think probably, you know, sometime in uh, beginning to middle of August, because we still got extensions for 2019. And by the way, if you're listening to this on July 15th and you haven't filed or extended your tax return, please do it today. Uh, if you're listening to this on June, July 16th, it's, it's one day too late. Uh, but we're going to probably start looking at some tax planning for the third quarter and the fourth quarter, maybe a little earlier this year. Just because it's such a weird, crazy year. I mean, clients are saying, well, what do you think my tax liability is going to be? Are you really kidding me? You really think I know? So let's talk a little bit about this new provision. I'm going to kind of, if you hear some papers rustling, I've kind of got some notes and I'm also going to be kind of toggling back on my computer here. So as part of the CARES Act, the... um, you know, there was $349 billion for the um, PPP, but now we have the CARES Act Provider Relief Fund, $175 billion, which was provided specifically for healthcare prote- uh, professionals, physicians, uh, hospitals primarily, who are on the front lines of this COVID-19 pandemic and, and virus. And it really didn't touch the dental profession until about three or four weeks ago when um, they added the ability, if you build Medicare or Medicaid, to apply for this relief. And, um, you know, for those of you who have uh, have billed that, that is available to you. But as of Friday, um, HHS put up on their website uh, that dentistry is now eligible, all of dentistry is eligible for this um, for this relief fund. And uh, here's the deal, folks. Um, you go to www.hhs.gov. And um, again, we're going to be putting out a letter on our website, which is www.hmwccpa.com. If you want a copy of it, email me at artweederman at gmail.com and I'll get it to you. Um, and, and we're going to be putting out a letter on all of this with all of the links. So you go to the links and you have to apply. You have two weeks to apply. So you have to apply for this money uh, by July 24th, which is uh, two weeks from tomorrow, if you will. Um, uh, but it's less than that. It's two weeks from Friday. So you have till July 24th uh, to apply for this money. Basically a week from Friday, I believe that is. And um, so what? what is this? This is a, a fund, again, created by the, the CARES Act. And now dentists are able to apply for this. And what they're going to do, so, you know, first of all, I'm, I'm looking at the website here and it says, uh, how are dental providers determined to be eligible? And it says many dental providers have already successfully applied for funding under Medicaid-focused general distribution. To support payments to dental providers who may not bill Medicare or Medicaid, HHS has developed a curtailed list of dental practice taxpayer identification numbers from third-party sources and HHS data sets. So basically what they're going to do is they're going to look you up. You're going to apply. You're going to give them your ID number, and they should find you, and you're going to be eligible. And uh, basically, who is eligible? Now, under this – and by the way, you you go to – uh, hhh.gov backslash coronavirus backslash cares dash act dash provider dash relief dash fund 
uh, backslash FAQs, uh, backslash dental dash distribution. It's a long one, but just, just go on there and, and, and you can find it on this website. So this is what they say in order for you to be who is eligible for this distribution. This was added on Friday. To be eligible to apply, a dental provider must meet all of the following requirements. Number one, you must not have received payment from the initial $50 billion Medicare-focused general distribution. And number two, you must not have received payment from the $15 billion Medicaid and CHIP distribution, which I'm guessing most of you probably did not. Some of you did. Number three, you must have either, one, filed a federal income tax return for the fiscal years 2017, 2018, or 2019, or two, be an entity exempt from the requirement to file a federal income tax return and have no beneficial owner that is required to file one. That's not any of you. Um, that's like a state hospital or a healthcare clinic. Uh, number four, you must have provided patient dental care after January 31, 2020. Well, that applies. Number five, you must not have permanently ceased providing patient dental care directly or indirectly through included subsidiaries. That doesn't apply. You, you're providing dental care. Your office is open. And six, if the applicant is an individual, have gross receipts or sales from providing patient dental care reported on Form 1040 Schedule C. So you are eligible for this. You go in. You give them your TIN. Uh, you go through their portal. You figure all this out. And you are going to be eligible, according to what this all says, for up to 2% of your gross revenues from your practice. So, for example, if you had a practice that in 2019 grossed $1 million, you would be eligible for $20,000. Now, this is not like PPP, where you can get it forgiven if you use it for certain things. This money is taxable. You, it's, it's right on the HHS's website under one of the questions. It's not in that particular section. It's in another section. But it is not going to be tax-free. So you're going to get a 1099 for this money, uh, which is fine. It's just like, I mean, if you get 20000 it's kind of like you did a big, you know, maybe a, a you know, a big case, a $20,000 case, and you had to fill out a little bit of paperwork and you didn't have any dental supplies or lab bill for it. Think of it that way, folks. However, I do want you to be careful and we don't have all the answers yet. And I am just dreading the fact that we're going to get a bunch of questions in the office this week like, oh, what about this and what about that? So um, one of the things that it does say is that you must, um, in these questions, you must adhere to the terms and conditions of this program. And I am looking at the terms and conditions of this program. And there's a couple of these things that are concerning to me. And we have actually, I mean, because this has been a, you know, I call myself seven day a week CPA these days because it just seems like it's uh, every single day. We've been uh, blogging on our Academy Dental CPA blog uh, today. And, and basically the whole thing is like, well, you know, uh, there's still questions we have to have answered. Gee, does that sound familiar? Have I been saying that about the PPP and the idle loan program for like the last forever? Well, so here's what some of the things they talk about under Medicaid, CHIP, and dental relief fund payment terms and conditions. So here's the, the, the first thing that concerns me. It says the recipient certifies that it provides or provided after January 31, 2020, 
diagnoses, testing, or care for individuals with possible or acute cases of COVID-19 is not currently terminated from participation in Medicare and blah, blah, blah. So let's read that again. It says, uh, we're certifying that you guys, you dent- the dentists are providing diagnosis, testing, or care for individuals with possible or acute cases of COVID-19. Well, I guess if you took a literal reading of that, every patient could possibly have it. Um, but, you know, you're, <laughs> if you have a patient who has tested positive for COVID-19, they're probably not coming into your dental office. So that's one thing that concerns me. Maybe we get around that with the possible uh, cases or, um, you know, care for individuals. I mean, could we take the position that the, um, you know, all disease starts in the mouth and if we make the mouth healthy, that it's going to help fight COVID-19? I could make a case for that, but, you know, this is all I've got, folks. So don't ask me to interpret this. This is what they put out on Friday. Uh, the recipient certifies that the payment will only be used to prevent, prepare for, and respond to coronavirus. And so prevent, prepare for, and respond to coronavirus. Well, again, we're trying to prevent coronavirus as dentists uh, by making mouths healthy. That would be my position. You're certainly not treating the disease. That's not what you do. That's where you go to a hospital. Um, and that the payment shall reimburse the recipient only for healthcare-related expenses or lost revenues that are trivial for coronavirus. Yeah, we got plenty of those. But here's another one that we just don't know. The recipient certifies that it will not use the payment to reimburse expenses or losses that have been reimbursed from other sources or that other sources are obligated to reimburse. Well, okay, so when I first read that, I said, so... Does that mean if I get a PPP loan, uh, I'm getting, you know, being reimbursed from other sources? If I'm getting an EIDL loan, now, I don't think that would count because it's really a loan. So, you know, we've got some questions here as to whether a dentist can meet these terms and conditions. Now, um, I think they would. And there are also, and you need to read these terms and conditions, okay? You're certifying that all the information is true and correct, um, and not later than 10 days after the end of each calendar quarter, any recipient that's an entity receiving more than 150000 in total funds under the Corona Aid Relief and Economic Securities Act and a bunch of other acts, you have to do some reporting. Uh, I mean, you want to you wanna read this. And the other thing you need to know, folks, is that if you take this aid, um, here's another terms and conditions. The recipient consents to the Department of Health and Human Services publicly disclosing the payment that recipient may receive from the relief fund. The recipient acknowledges that such disclosure may allow third parties to estimate the recipient's gross income or sales, program service revenue, or other equivalent information. So, okay, here's what popped into my mind. You are a dentist. You got a divorce. You are fighting with your ex-wife or ex-husband, okay? They're smart. Not that you're not, but they're smart. They see this. They go on and they check how much you got. They know that what you got is 2% of your revenues. So, 
Say you got 20,000. They know that your practice in 2019 or 2018, depending on when your last tax return was, did a million dollars. Okay. What about creditors who might want to know? They might be looking for you and they look this up. There's lots of smart people out there. So if you don't want people to know how much gross revenues you have in your practice, this may not be uh, money you might want to, this might be money you might want to forego because it is going to be public record. So um, it looks like it's it's reasonably straightforward. Let me tell you what you're going to need in order to apply here. And this was uh, this is courtesy of my good friend from the Academy of Dental CPAs, David Goodman. David is just a wonderful, wonderful man. I shared with you, um, you know, a lot of stuff that David has shared with me over the years. And um, uh, David sent me a great email today. And when David says I'm spot on, then I'm feeling real good about life. I'm spot on. So what you're going to have to have, and, and this is this is interesting. So you're going to have to have your most recent federal tax returns for 2017, 2018, or 2019, whatever the last year you filed. If you're on extension for 2019, um, you know, you'll get 2018. If you get 2019, you'll use that one. You'll need your first quarter 2020 Form 941, Form 940 Annual Federal Unemployment Tax Return, or a statement as to why neither uh, form is uh, required to be filed. Now, there is other information that we don't know where you get it. Uh, one is called the Applicant's FTE. You might have remembered FTE from PPP conversations. Applicant's FTE worksheet, and David says, has anyone seen a copy of this? Remember, this all came out on Friday. If required, the gross revenue worksheet. Again, David is asking me, has anyone seen a copy of this? So the best thing for you to do if you're looking for this money is to just go out and file an application. But I would strongly recommend that you read the terms and conditions of this before you decide to do it, especially if you don't want people figuring out what your gross revenues of your business are. Uh, because again, you know, there's people, if you go to a CPA and say, well, you know, my, my ex-husband, uh, I, I can tell he made a million five last year and somebody consults a dental CPA from the Academy of Dental CPAs or from Ide Bailey or me or somebody else. Um, you know, uh, they're going to say, oh, well, yeah, he must have made about 30%. He's making 450 grand. Oh, well, he told me he can't even pay his bills or she can't pay her bills. Yeah, you got to be really careful these days. I, I just, <laughs> you just have to be really, really careful. Okay, so that's the uh, HHS. If you're going to do this, you need to do it by Friday, July 24th, because that's when they're going to close the window on this. All right, I want to touch on in the time we have left a couple of other tax things that I think are going to be really helpful for you. So back when they passed um, well, the last couple of tax laws, they have this provision in the tax law called QIP, um, Qualified Investment Property. And so when you go to build out a dental office, you know, whether you own the building or not, you've got the structure, you've got the brick and mortar, uh, the drywall, the outside of the building, the plumbing and the electrical. That is the, um, you know, the, I mean, the, the structural components, I guess the plumbing and electrical may not be considered structural components, but 
you have the structural components of the building. Then you have the internal workings of the building. You have the inside of your suite. You have carpet. You have ceiling tiles. You have um, you have walls and cubicles and partitions uh, and cabinetry and all this kind of stuff. Well, that kind of stuff, which is called QIP, um, when they passed the last tax bill, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act at the end of 2017, um, they did not fix a technical glitch in the law. So those expenses, which should be deductible uh, under the bonus depreciation rules, which is where you just write it all off in one year, uh, they were not deductible and they have not been deductible until March 27th when the president signed the CARES Act. So you were depreciating qualified improvement property over 39 years. Now, I'm not going to be practicing. Sorry, clients who are listening to this. I will not be practicing at the age of 100. I turned 61 uh, one month from Tuesday, and I will not be practicing accounting um, and tax uh, in 39 years. That much I can I can guarantee you that. <laughs> I hope I'm around then, but I'm not going to be doing taxes. So um, if you've been depreciating in 2017, uh, I mean 2018 uh, or 2019, and you've been uh, depreciating property uh, over 39 years, you can go back and file an amended tax return and get a bunch of money back. So let me tell you what this is. So qualified improvement property is um, is an improvement made by the taxpayer to an interior portion of a building, which is non-residential property. So it's got to be a, an office building. Okay, you have to make it. It's It's got to be paid for by you. The landlord can give you a tenant improvement allowance, but you got to pay for it. All right, it does not include the enlargement of a building, the elevator, an elevator or escalator, or the internal structural framework of a building. So anybody who has spent any of this money, and that's those of you who have built out an office after uh, after December 31 of 2017. So if you placed your office in service in 18 or 19, you can go back and file an amended return uh, and um, go ahead and take those deductions or... You can do it in the current year, I mean, in, in 2019. So maybe here's a deal. Maybe you didn't file your 2019 return yet. Maybe you're on extension. And in 2018, you did this. You did this improvement. You spent $250,000 on, on a beautiful 2,500 square foot office that qualifies for um, QIP. And you were going to write this off over 39 years. Well, and, and you had a killer year in 2019, which a lot of people did. So what you'd want to do, folks, is you'd want to go ahead and file for 2019. You can file a form uh, that allows you, uh, and again, say you, you, you did this in 2019, you can go ahead and elect bonus depreciation and take that deduction and just obliterate your taxes. If you're an S corporation, you need to have S corporation basis, which you may or may not have. But if you are a partnership or a sole proprietor uh, or an LLC, uh, which is most folks outside of the state of California, because California, you if you're a dentist, you cannot be uh, practice dentistry as an LLC. 
uh, then you will probably have basis because you get basis for your loan. Remember, if you're an S corporation and you go to the bank and the corporation borrows a quarter of a million dollars, you don't get basis for that and you probably won't get the write-off. You have to work with your CPA on that. And if they say, what is basis? You say, bye-bye CPA and you call me or a member of the ADCPA. So um, this is something that you might want to seriously consider. Um you know, taking this 100% bonus depreciation and you'd either file a form 3115, which is a, uh, which would say you took it in 2018. Let's say you took it in 2018. Um, you built out your office in 2018. All right. And you took one, one thirty ninth, which is like $2,500. Then what you do in 2019, if you haven't filed is you go ahead and you file a form 3115, which is a change in accounting methods, an automatic change. And what you do is you take what's called a section 481A deduction. And I'm not showing off. I'm just telling you what you do. And you would get the other 97,500 in 2019. So this is something you should think about is looking at qualified improvement property. Okay. So that's what I talked about there. The next thing I want to talk to you about is some retirement plan changes. And these are some changes you need to be aware of. So let's say that you didn't get a PPP loan and you didn't get an EIDL loan and you got two kids going to Stanford and Yale. All right. Uh, you know, Stanford and Yale are very expensive or Vanderbilt or pick any fine, very expensive institution in the United States. And, and you don't have any money and you need money or you want to make an investment. Maybe you want to buy some real estate. Maybe this is a good time for you to buy some real estate. Maybe it's a good time for you to buy your dental office from the person that owns it. I don't know. But they made these new rules that, you know, if you take an early withdrawal, from your qualified retirement plan and your IRA, um, usually you're subject to a 10% penalty on that. So if I take out a distribution and there are certain exceptions to that where you're, you're, you're not going to pay a penalty, um, but basically the IRS um, gave you in the CARES Act the opportunity to take out an early withdrawal from your qualified retirement plan. And it has got to be what's called a um, a COVID-related withdrawal. And the IRS just gave us some guidance on what that means. And um, basically, uh, you have to be you know, only participants who certify that they're qualified individuals can receive corona relate, coronavirus-related distributions. So now remember, if you take this money out, you can take out up to $100,000 or 100% of your vested interest. Right now, it's 50, it, before it was 50,000 or 50% of your vested, vested interest. Okay. And if you are taking a coronavirus related distribution, there's no penalty. Number one. Number two, it can be repaid over three years. And if you repay it in three years, you don't pay taxes on it at all. Because when you take a distribution from a retirement plan, it's taxable. But if you take a coronavirus um, related distribution and if you repay it, say maybe you only repay 80,000 of it, then 80,000 of it will not be taxable. 20,000 will be. And you get to spread this out 
um, over three years, the tax. So let's say that you take this money and you just don't pay it back. You can pay one third of the tax this year, one third next year, and one third the year after. So a qualified individual, they just came out with a, a new ruling um, to define what this is. Under the CARES Act, a qualified individual is anyone who is diagnosed or whose spouse or dependent is diagnosed with the virus SARS-CoV-19 or COVID-19. SARS-CoV-2 or COVID-19 by a test approved by the CDC, including a test authorized by the FDA and the Federal Food and Drug Cosmetics Act, uh, also experiences or experiences adverse financial consequences as a result of the individual, the individual's spouse, or a member of the individual's household, that is, someone who shares the individual's principal residence. So it could be uh, that your spouse um, is a dentist. You know, maybe, maybe you're, you're a, um, you know, you're a pharmacist and your spouse is a dentist. Well, um, you know, you can take out this distribution because your spouse suffered adverse consequences. Uh, it's someone who was quarantined, being furloughed or laid off or having work hours reduced due to COVID-19, uh, being unable to work due to a lack of childcare due to COVID-19, closing or reducing hours of business that they own or operate due to COVID-19. This is all you guys. So you're probably going to qualify for this. Having pay or self-employment income reduced due to COVID-19, having a job offer rescinded or a start date for a job delayed due to COVID-19. Uh, I'd like to add one of those, not being able to la- at watch live sports due to COVID-19. I think they should give an exemption for that, but there you go. So if you need this money, and it's a last resort, folks, I don't recommend it. I really don't recommend it because, you know, you're taking money out of your retirement. You know, it, it, what's the market going to do? We don't know. We just don't know. Who wants to guess? If if three or four or five months from now, the government aid runs out and everybody gets kicked out of their apartments and their commercial buildings and we don't have a cure, things could get really, really ugly, really, really fast. And the market could tank. Um, if they find a cure to this thing, God willing, sooner rather than later, and our economy gets up and going and everybody gets back to work, uh, this stock market's going to rally. So, yeah, and that's what it looks like. Who knows? I mean, nobody knows what's going to happen. So, so this is something that if you need this money out of your retirement plan for whatever reason, uh, and you qualify under one of these exemptions, uh, and I think this was notice 2020-50, I believe it is. Um, you know, and, and, and by the way, this is, um, let's see, these plan provisions may suspend loan. And you also don't have to make loan repayments if you've already got a pension loan that are due through December 31 of 2020. Uh, and again, it's gone from 50 to 100,000 and from 50% of your vested interest to 100%. The other thing, um, that, uh, you can do uh, is we have uh, if you are over the age of 72 you are required to start taking what's called your required minimum distributions from your retirement plan and so let's say you get to age it used to be 70 and a half and now it's 72 so you're 72 and you have a million dollars in your retirement plan uh, what you do is you take your um, life expectancy from the IRS table uh, and see that I never remember it's 26.4. I think it is, is the first year. It's either 26.4 or 
So you divide your million dollars by that. And it's about 4% in the first year is how much you have to take. So if you have a million dollars, you have to take 40,000. If you have $5 million, you have to take $200,000. Well, take a look at 20, 2020's income situation. Um, you don't have to take a required minimum distribution in 2020. It is not required. We'll call this the unrequired minimum distribution. They are suspended for the year uh, of 2020. Now, let's say you didn't know this and you just heard this for the first time from yours truly, me. And you on today's July 12th, let's say on uh, June 27th, uh, you got a check for $100,000 for your required minimum distribution. And you didn't need the money and nobody told you otherwise. Well, now I'm telling you, you have 60 days to put that money back into the retirement plan and not have to pay taxes on it. That's the rollover rule. And for anybody who is listening to this podcast right now, and you can hear me shuffling papers because I'm reading my notes. Okay. So if you took an RMD from February 1 until May 15th of 2020, and you're listening to this podcast today, July 15th, call your broker today and say, I need to get this money back into the account. Because even though it's past 60 days, um, this this uh, guidance from the IRS said that you can put it back, but it has to be back by July 31 of 2020. So... You can, you can do some things with pension and um, get some money out. Uh, you can play with your RMDs. This might be a very good year to take an RMD. This might be a very good year to take two RMDs if your dental practice income is way down. So this is where you got to sit down and figure out. And, and remember, you can take the whole, you don't have to take your RMD, you know, one twelfth every month. You can take your RMD for you know, on the last day of the year, if you want, I just have to take it in the in the calendar year. So you get down to December, you sit down with the CPA and you start playing with numbers. And remember, folks, what I said earlier, if we end up with a Democratic Congress and a Democratic president named Joe Biden, you're probably going to have higher tax rates next year. So this might be a good year to take a little more. And remember, you don't have to take double or triple. You know, if your RMD is 50, maybe you take 75. I mean, we all, you know, CPAs have tax software that we can do what if. You might also consider doing a Roth IRA conversion where you take your current IRA and you haven't taken your RMDs yet and you convert them to Roth. And as long as you don't touch the money till after you're 59 and a half or you've had that money, had any uh, Roth that you've started for five years, so 59 and a half in five years, you will never, ever have to pay tax on that money. So this might be a great year if your income is way down. Maybe you have a spouse who has a business and their income is way down. Maybe they own a gym. Maybe they, I mean, I have a, one of my best friends from college is he's in the automo, he provides automotive products. His business is down 70%. His wife owns a party and event planning business and she's really good. I've seen, I've been to some of her parties. She's really good. She's out of business. Zero. Zilch. Uh, there are no bar mitzvahs here in California. There are no weddings in California that party planners are planning. And if they are, the people are planning it themselves. So, you know, that would be a time to think about taking some money out of your IRA. 
A couple of other things I want to touch on before we finish up today. Um, Number one, if you haven't taken a PPP loan yet and you want to take a PPP loan, you now have until August 8th of 2020 to do so. And you've just got to get your SBA number. And one of my banker friends uh, has told me that it's pretty easy to get a number on the day you apply. But I'll tell you what, folks, if you haven't taken this money and your practice hasn't really come back, boy, I'll tell you, you waited, you, you guessed it right. I mean, there's $130 billion left in this fund. It's pretty much dried up as far as people getting loans. I think it's picking up a little bit now that people see there's a 24 week period to spend it. But gosh, you know, your dental office is open. You're, you know, you're doing 50, 60, 70, 80% of what you were doing. Um, you're having all these expenditures on PPE equipment and gowns and masks and 95 masks and all the equipment you had to buy. And here's an opportunity to get 50, 75, $150,000 of money that you can spend in 24 weeks. And if by that time, hopefully your employees are all back to work, you get it forgiven. It's free money by the government. That's a pretty good deal. So that's something to think of. The other thing is you can file early. I want to remind you again that you can file early for your forgiveness. In my opinion, there is no big rush to file for forgiveness. Uh, as I've said before, and I'll repeat myself again. Thanks, mom. You're the one that taught me how to repeat myself. Um, basically, I don't want to be the first one to file for forgiveness. And I will tell you right now, I have talked to three banks in the last week. And I have a couple of clients who have said, all right, I'm really upset. I can't file. I want to get this done. The problem is, is that the, the, the SBA has not given us the rules yet to, um, to file for forgiveness. So one of the three ways you lose forgiveness, folks, as we've talked about on this podcast before, is if you don't restore your employee salaries uh, during the covered period um, to what they were on the date you basically file for forgiveness. If you don't do that, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, if you do that, then you will meet that test and the other two tests are moot. Uh, the 60% test and the FTE test, we believe are moot for dentists for the most part. Um, but yeah, you, you, you don't want to do that because we, the banks aren't ready because how do you pass that test? So if I file for forgiveness on October 10th, um, does that mean that everybody has to be back to their same hourly wage or salary on that date? Yes, that's what it means. Does it mean I put them on for one day and then I take them off because we don't have enough work? We don't know yet. So the banks don't know how to underwrite this yet. And every bank that I have seen, I see their emails. They all come to me and it says, well, we're not really ready for this. We're really not ready to do this. Uh, we don't have all the rules and we don't. We don't know how the retirement plan contribution, if you want to include your retirement plan contribution, is it the 19 contribution paid or incurred? Well, I pay my 19 contribution in 2020. Is that included? Uh, I don't think so, but we don't know yet. So, so anyway, we, we've got that. Um, and, um, the other thing is that, and then we'll, we'll call it a podcast is if you have not and are not going to apply for a PPP loan, you need to look at the employee retention tax credit. It's, 
up to $5,000, which will basically reduce your payroll tax deposits, of the first $10,000 of wages. And you have to look at certain quarter, quarters. And most of you will be eligible for this credit definitely in the second quarter of 2020, quite possibly the third quarter of 2020. And there's some mathematical rules. And you want to apply that. And they're talking about in this CARES Act, not only making the PPP deductible and not only coming up with a $25,000 PPE tax credit, but, um, you know, they're also talking about allowing dentists and other business owners to take this uh, retention tax credit, even though you got a PPP loan. Right now, if you got a PPP loan, you cannot take advantage of this retention uh, tax credit. Last thing for you is if you're a C corporation and for whatever reason you paid uh, taxes in prior years, 14, 15, 16, um, you can now go back and take, if you have losses in your C corporation, you can carry them back to, you know, five years. So for those of you who paid corporate tax back in, you know, 2013, 14, 15, 16, and 17, but you have a loss in 18 and 19, you can potentially get some of that money back. Now, most of you who are C corp should zero out, but Gosh, I've seen my share of C-Corps that pay a lot of tax, and I just kind of shake my head and say, well, they shouldn't have done that, but there must be a reason. Well, folks, that is about all I've got for you today. Let me give you my information again if you want to get a hold of me in my office in Tustin. I will tell you that um, uh, this week we're going to be shutting down and uh, basically doing the transition from uh, HMWC to be uh, Ide Bailey. So the next time I, I, I talk to you, I will be uh, at Ide Bailey, which I'm very excited about. Uh, my number is 714-505-9000. My email, which will not change, is artwiederman at gmail.com. Uh, go to our Decisions in Dentistry page. Uh, uh, well, not my, it's not my web uh, website, it's theirs, but go to the website. And by the way, I didn't mention this earlier. If you want a 30-minute complimentary consultation with a member of the Academy of C- Dental CPAs, here's what you do. Real simple. Send, you know, mark the box. They'll send me the email. I will personally email you and say, where are you located? And we got, you know, we got one the other day, a very, very nice woman in, in the Los Angeles area. And I called her and we talked and it, it was great. So that's what we're here for. Go on to decisionsindentistry.com. If you want that consultation, feel free to mark the box and we'll get that for you. Uh, if you're looking for a dental specific CPA in Southern California, that's me. Uh, our website, www.hmwccpa.com, which will very soon become www.idbailey.com. It will have all the podcasts and all the articles I've written about. I've about 10 of them on, uh, on the PPP and the EIDL, uh, and the one that's going to go up tomorrow on the, uh, uh, the HHS relief fund. Uh, and again, if you're looking for a dental specific CPA anywhere in the country, uh, we got you covered www.adcpa.org and, uh, you know, click on that, go to our find a member page and, uh, see what states you're in and, You'll see the member that is closest to you. Again, if you're in Southern California, we are absolutely taking new clients. 
Um, I'm doing some really great metrics consulting, and we're going to have some great guests, by the way, coming up. Uh, we're going to be talking about research and development tax credits. We're going to be talking about transitions. I have a, uh, I've got, just got to get him nailed down. One of my dear friends in dentistry is Dr. Lee Maddox. He's one of the smartest guys I know. Um, his dental attorney was a dental broker for five years. Just, just, we're going to talk about what the transition marketplace looks like and what you should be doing if you're thinking about that down the road. Well, that's about it for today. I want to leave you with my mantra, which I will say every single week. Folks, failure is not an option. You've all worked so hard. You're all so good. What wonderful people reside in the world of the dental profession, and we want it to stay that way. You are an essential service. FEMA has figured that out. Um, you know, you guys are the first, res- you're right, you're right up there as first responders. I mean, I don't mean to be offensive to anybody who's a nurse or a physician. They are, uh, there's a place in heaven for those people. But the fact of the matter is, is that if you do what you need to do in diagnosing complete care for your patients, uh, you will save lives. And that is something that you can take to the grave. So anyway, again, failure is not an option, folks. Give me a call at the office. Send me an email. Be happy to talk to you. And that is it for this edition of the Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman. Be safe. Hug your kids. Hug your spouse. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 